When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Warnings are for coffee and contemplation. Coffee and contemplation. Drink the coffee, it'll make you feel better. Sir, do you realize that you are not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals? What? Picks you up, calms you down, hits that lifeblood that drives the dreams of champions. Now he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll, I'll call him up. Welcome to College Football Monday. I'm your host, Pete B, and this is a Sons of Saturday live show, and we are brought to you, as we are every week, by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. If you're watching on YouTube, and you should be, because we are live, I've got a couple of co-hosts here today. I got Robbie, my my normal co-host, but I also got BRM on the show for the first time this year. What's up, fellas? Not too much. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're all still digesting that... Uh, that all, everything that went down with the college football playoff committee yesterday, I guess, right, Bill? I know you already did a podcast on it on this a little bit yesterday. We did, yeah. I mean, we had a crazy weekend. Had the uh, I was down in Charlotte for the conference champion games. I was in Auburn on Thursday for the right, basketball right. games. So I've been kind of been kind of all over the place, place. But um, fun weekend. I mean, aside from selection Sunday, I thought it was a fun uh, fun slate of games. Yeah, it was. We're gonna get to all the games and recap all that good stuff. Make sure if you are here live or you're watching on X to hop over to YouTube, get in the chat. We can share your comments. It's easier for engagement. And make sure to like the video as well. Let's just start with what happened on Saturday. We had actually, this was a kind of a funny weekend for championship weekend. I thought a lot of the underdogs, which typically doesn't happen on championship weekend, came through. We had Washington winning outright. We had Bama winning outright. SMU and Miami, Ohio, all came through and won. And that Bama game, as as Robbie and I discussed a little bit on last week's pod, as I discussed last week on this show, if they were to win, it was going to turn everything into chaos. And so let's get to – I'm just going to – I'm going to jump right in here, guys, because I want to talk about the final committee rankings. And they're up on the screen now. We got one Michigan, two Washington, three Texas, and four Alabama. And Florida State, undefeated – ACC champion Florida State has been left out of the college football playoff. So that's where I want to start. We'll get to more of what happened in the games, maybe a little bit later in the show, but this is really the meat and potatoes of what all went on. And there was a lot of best teams, most deserving teams, but I want to start with Rob and just your instant reaction when you saw this. What was it? Did you feel like Florida State got screwed or did you feel like the committee got it right? No, they got they got screwed. They got hosed. Uh, this is just this, this is the most damage that's been done to college football since Auburn got left out in the BCS era back because they played Virginia Tech in the in the Sugar Bowl. It's uh, it is um, a prognostication of like what they think is going to happen and who's the best team. And I thought I thought on the college football show they did a good job of saying this. And I think it was um, was it Booker McFarland said. Booger was, said, was hot, yeah. He was hot. And he said, they said Alabama's the better team um, and the best team that got in. And he said, well, you could have said that at the beginning of the year. 
That's why yeah. we play the games. He said, you could have said the same thing at the beginning of the year, and that's why we don't guess who the best teams are. We let them play on the field. And um, it's it stinks. I mean, if imagine Virginia Tech going, you know, 13 or 12 and 0 and 13 and 0 this season and then getting left out how hot we would be right now because the same thing would have happened to a Virginia Tech team um if we went undefeated this year and that's why it's easy to look at FSU and say they've won a national championship and it's everybody hates FSU but it's much broader than the team that got left out and it's it's more of an indictment of of where college football is at and hopefully it'll be be solved in the future and I want to go into that a little bit more but I want to get Bill's reaction and and how you felt because there there are a lot of differing opinions on on how this went down what do you think Bill yeah, I think I think the minute that it happened, right? I was extremely bummed out for the Florida State. I was extremely bummed out for the ACC. And going to be, going to bed the night before, um, I actually bet Pat. I said, I guarantee Florida State is going to be in the field tomorrow. This was after Alabama won. This was after everything happened. This is and after I, you sharpie Bama. This is after I sharpie <laughs> Bama. I, I was in, I was in my head doing all these mental gymnastics, and I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, Florida State's going to get in. And as soon as I woke up on on sunday i said bam is going to be in the playoff so here's what i think i think i have been against four since jump street i thought four was dumb i couldn't stand four i was like either leave it at two or go to eight or go to 12 um and for some reason the committee got so lucky that they never really ended up in a situation where that we have this year um mm -hmm. the first year had a bunch of controversy the last year had a bunch of controversy um and i don't think there was a right answer here like Florida State did absolutely everything that it could to justify being one of the last four teams in the playoff. With that said, Alabama, one of the strongest strengths of schedule, finished beating the best team in college football for the last 700 days in the SEC championship. Um, and I think if everybody, if, if, the, if the actual goal of the committee is to put the four best teams in college football into a playoff or an invitational as Ed likes to call it, which is probably more accurate. Um, I think they did that, especially when you mentioned that injuries are part of the actual criteria. Now that does not mean that I'm saying that Florida state shouldn't have been in the playoff. Like they're like nothing that they did was incorrect. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think that regardless, they, there was no right path to choose. And the path that they ultimately chose was to put Alabama into the playoff. So I hate it for Florida State. I hate it for the ACC. Um, I think if there wasn't an immediate change coming, um, the ACC should fold on today. If this was staying at four, you should basically be like, look, we just can't do this anymore, but it is moving to 12. Mm -hmm. So um, those are kind of my thoughts on it. I'm much more excited to see these four teams play than I would be to see Florida State play. That's just my honest answer. I mean, I, I hate it for Florida yeah. State, but I would I would rather see this. And, and listen, Bill, what they – what they did, and you are exactly right, they're moving to the 12-team playoff. And so they really don't – this doesn't set a precedent. Like, everyone kept saying before this happened, and I might have even said it too, like, it sets a bad precedent if you don't put FSU in. But, like, that precedent is all gone. Now, the problem that they did create is just the fact that they are more willing to go for the TV ratings, go for Harbaugh versus Saban, than actually rewarding a team that went 13-0 and on the field. And the invitational thing, our friend Colby Dant, Rob, has said that for years. He's been calling yep. it invitational. And this is and this is probably after year one. The the year 
Bill reference where Ohio State got in with a backup quarterback and then ended up winning the whole thing. Now, 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 people love making the comparison. That's to fine. Ohio That's State. Good. Do people love to do that? Ohio State did win their conference championship game fifty nine or fifty three to nothing against the Wisconsin team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, they well, went to the swamp and they beat Florida. Florida was also playing a backup quarterback. And again, I'm not trying. Like, I hate that we're trying to like get argue angry for. State argue, yeah, I don't like to argue against games. Florida State. Yeah, right. But we're, but we're parsing yeah. this out, so we need right. to do it. Yeah. Right. Right. There's Go one ahead, part right. that doesn't, and I thought I listened to College Football Inquirer this morning because I love their hot takes sometimes, and they had they had a good one, and they said, "Listen, the the quarterback that played for FSU against that Louisville team is not going to be the quarterback that's actually playing in the college football playoff either. That game doesn't count either. So you can't even look at the Louisville game and say that's it because that's their third string quarterback who's not going to be." in the actual college football player. In theory, it would be Rodemaker, right? Exactly. So that doesn't work either. So, and so what? They ran the ball. They had 177 yards, and you knew that they were going to run the ball all the time in that game, and they did what they needed to. I thought Florida State found another way to win and demonstrated that they are perhaps the most well-rounded team in the nation by being able to do that. When they were made one-dimensional, when they knew that they were going to have to rely on defense, they gave Louisville the script on how to beat them, and they still couldn't do it. So it, it sucks. And when you have Jordan Travis coming out and saying, apologizing to college football and apologizing to his team, saying that he wished he broke his leg earlier in the season so that they had more time to watch the team perform without the quarterback that is that is a problem for college football so that is the precedent now now you have jumped the shark in totally we all knew it was a money game we all knew it was a ratings game we all knew that the criteria was to put the four best teams in not the four most deserving teams and they did that intentionally and partially because they didn't really think it all through but now what you've done is you've again just minimized even more so the student athletes and it's just like are you like they can win all the games so far in a power conference and be left out and for the acc a conference that's already struggling for relevance and to be a power player in this sport like this was perhaps a death knell because if fsu didn't want out before they sure as hell do not and they (laughs) want it out so this this will take that up a notch and the fact that boo corrigan who is the NC State athletic director and essentially the ACC's representative had to be trotted out there to explain why his conference with a 13 and 0 <laughs> champion is being left out. He should have freaking walked off the stage. He shouldn't have even gone out there and be like, "Screw you guys, I'm not doing this." Because his like the politicking for this it started before the FSU Louisville game even kicked off. Like they they were talking about it on the CBS or the SEC championship broadcast. They Reese Davis and and them some of them seemed elated that Bama was in, and other ones were pissed. There was a lot of interesting conjecture and and all kinds of things that went on on ESPN yesterday. And Rob even texted me about. It. He's like half of this network is like fuming over the result, even though they're the ones that created this problem. Yeah, and there's one last thing, and I'll be I'm done. Is I, the AD came out with an awesome statement talking about fo- you know, false equivalence and you know just logic bombs that this has kind of created and and not and not followed through on. 
And then Reese Davis came out and he was like, well, we used to have a system that got rid of, you know, everything that was objective. It was a computer system. Nobody had a problem with the computer system. The problem was there was only two teams that if the computer system, you could go back to. That's Bill's have 12 teams to get in. And every, then you would have a computer system making all of the decisions. You would have 12 teams. And you would end up with a, an awesome playoff. It was the fact that they had two teams. Again, another false equivalence. That wasn't the issue. The issue wasn't that. It was that we only had two teams. So then you had undefeated teams getting left out. So what did we do? We created a playoff. And then we left out an undefeated team. Congratulations, guys. Right. It, it, it's it's comical, but Bill has talked for a long time that he liked the BCS more in some ways. Is that right, Bill? It's not necessarily – so I don't think that the, that getting rid of the BCS kind of just changed um, just changed how the playoff was seeded. It just devalued so much of the rest of the sport the second that you did that. Um I think opt-ins were something that were eventually going to happen. It just made the line so much clearer of like the game that you play in matters versus the game that you are does not. I'm going through the bowl games yesterday. And if this is, if this is 15 years ago, right. I can't wait to watch JMU play air force. I can't wait to watch the, I can't wait to watch the Georgia game. I can't wait to watch Ohio state play Missouri. Um, And at this point you have no idea who's playing these games. Um, so that's what I really enjoyed about it. Um, I also think I have it written in my, uh, my description here. I think 12 is too much. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, I think that eight is much closer to the number that it should be. Look, I'm happy. I know we're all again, like we're all here to debate stuff and you know, 12 is better than four. I think two is better than, I think two is better than four as well. But, uh, I hate that we're going to be in a conversation. My argument against 12 is it bothers me that you're going to be letting teams into a playoff to compete against teams ultimately deserving of a title shot um, that you're like, well, they won a really tough game against Iowa at home in September. And, you know, they played Rutgers close. It was one of their weird losses. Like those are the conversations where we're going to have about like 10, 11, 12 and some yeah. of these games. Um, and in a sport like this, it's not like basketball. Like, even if they don't win the game, you're risking injury to a key player to play a team that really shouldn't be in the playoffs. So um, that's kind that, of been that's a fair thought. And the idea yeah. that four is a bad number is absolutely. There was five power conferences when they did this. So <laughs> square peg, round hole. Like they they got it wrong from the beginning. And yep. Baylor and TCU were on the receiving end of this the first year. Now we've got FSU. The difference is FSU went undefeated, and those teams did not. And let's just. I had a couple more questions just about the seating and the four, uh, the schedule. And that's something me and Bill were talking about last night. Everyone saw fifth ranked strength of schedule for Bama, 55th for FSU. And yes, that is all true. And they are without their starting quarterback. And so they perhaps they are, if you wanted the best four teams, you got best. But the wor- the problem with the term best is it's subjective. And, you know, Oregon lost twice to Washington. I was, a, and, and I have to apologize for Washington because I didn't believe in them all year. I never put them in my playoff four. I thought Oregon would beat them in the rematch and they lost. I still kind of think Oregon is a better team if they play 10 times. Like they got off to a terrible start in that game. They came back, they ended up taking the lead, but they lost and they lost again. And so they're not better, but maybe in my mind, I think that they are. So like best teams, it's it's a crock. 
They think this might be Saban's last year. They wanted the hardball matchup. SEC has more power than any other conference when it comes to making these matchups. And it's not a conspiracy. It's just a fact. Because what went down, I thought personally, was a travesty. If you talk like 3-0 and versus the top 25 was FSU, that's apparently not better than Bama's 4-1. and And I, I know they beat Georgia, but Rob, me and you have talked about multiple times this year. Was Georgia truly an elite team this season? Did they ever show at any point the strength in the D-line or the dominance that they showed in past years? I don't know. I think there was a stat that they were they were losing in eight of their 12 games uh, this season or something like that. Uh, so it, that was kind of mind-blowing. Um, their quarterback is good, serviceable, not great. They couldn't run the ball in this game. I think they got... I think they got exposed as being a very good team. And I think Alabama's linebackers were amazing in this game. Their defensive ends caused a lot of havoc. And um, if you put Georgia on the field with Oregon right now, I don't know who I would pick. I would probably pick Oregon in that game. Just yeah. if, honestly, if you if you were to do that. So listen, FSU played LSU. They played Florida. They played two SEC teams and they beat both of them away right? from they, home. They yeah, them away from home, not at their house. Yes. So this is there. There is a way to kind of look at the ACC and the SEC this year. And by all stats, other than Georgia being a reigning national championship the past two years, and then Alabama being you know the tail end of a dynasty, you know the ACC did what it needed to do against the SEC this year, and Florida State did as well. So um, I think. Any way that you cut it, other than the quarterback injury, um, everything would point clearly to FSU. This this is a very binary situation in the sense that the quarterback's not there, they're out. If the quarterback was there, they would be in. That's it. I completely, I, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah. I, I, will, I, will say, I, I will say, I don't think there's an SEC conspiracy. I think that's, mm-hmm. a, I think that's a little, I think that's a little crazy. Like mm-hmm. Georgia, like. Georgia has, okay, been, can, Georgia ahead, has been the best team in college football for 700 days. They have. Like they we have. can we can say, well, they they were losing at one point. Like I don't know, but if you're if you're looking at Alabama specifically, beating beating Georgia is the most impressive win in college football in the last two. I years. think going to Tuscaloosa and winning is a is a better win, but that's that's irrelevant because we're not talking about Texas. Go, going into Tuscaloosa, winning in week two, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, and Texas is in. I think they should be in. They deserve they deserve to be in. Um but you know a lot of people are pointing at like well Alabama almost lost to Auburn. They also beat LSU by multiple scores. They also beat Ole Miss. Now granted we can you know decide what Ole Miss or is or is not. Um they struggled with USF, like they struggled, struggled with USF again, breaking in a new quarterback. But I just have a really difficult time. Like if I'm putting my money on it, like completely honestly, I think Alabama beats Michigan, and I think the only team in the playoff that can truly beat Alabama, in my mind, is a Washington with how well they can score. So, um, I, I have play, a really hard. I, I want to play a game real quick, though. So okay. think about the same situation, SEC. Georgia's undefeated, all right? So there's no problem with the SEC. But Oregon beats beats Washington in the final. So Mm -hmm. they've got a loss. And now it seems like they should be in because they've been ahead of Texas and every single thing. But we come down to this last week. Florida State's undefeated. Oregon has one loss. Like, 
I don't think Oregon is beating out FSU to get in there. But and then I, I personally, I personally would have them in. You might, but I don't think that's what would have happened. Like, do you think that the Pac-12? I don't think. I think because it was the SEC, they got the fourth spot. If it had been a different conference, a different, even a different team potentially, like. I, I just don't think Washington or Oregon with one loss would have taken that spot from Florida State. That's my own personal opinion. I, I would have given it – I would have put Oregon in. If Bo Nix is healthy, I would have done it. Like, I really think it boils down to this. I think it's this simple. I think Jordan Travis was hurt. Florida State's not the same team. I really don't think it's a, a complete indictment on the ACC. I don't think it's a complete indictment on, like, them not – like, if Jordan Travis isn't hurt, they're in the playoff. It is a Heisman Trophy contestant who very well could have won the award who got hurt, and the team is vastly different without him playing. If Jordan Travis isn't hurt and everything happens the exact same, the score of the uh, ACC championship game is the same, um, the score of the Florida game is exactly the same, I think Florida State's in. Okay. One more fun fun game. So Milrow gets hurt, and then Alabama comes out and plays the exact same game that they just played. And dominates Georgia. They'd still be in. Guess I what? guarantee they're it. Playing is Jordan Travis still hurt? Yes. Jordan Travis is hurt and yeah. Milrow is hurt. I, th- I, think so. I think so. If it if it's both of those teams and their quarterbacks are hurt, I don't think I don't think Milrow the quarterback means doesn't matter much. for Bama, but it does matter for Florida. I State. don't think Milrow <laughs> means as much to Alabama as Travis means to Florida State. We're I don't know. About that defense for Florida State was elite this year. It they was. held a they held a Brom team. Mm-hmm. Jeff Brom's one of the best offensive minds in college football. Six points in the championship game, an offense that had been lighting up a lot of teams. And Louisville has their flaws. And but like that is an outstanding performance. And this is a mm-hmm. team game. I understand it's the most important position on the field. And I really like Bill, I'm not trying to knock your uh your argument because I want your argument. I want yeah. I want to have the back and forth because I think it's this is exactly what they were probably doing in the committee room. Mm-hmm. And Probably not as eloquently as we're doing it right now. <laughs> but here, here's the thing about Bama that that bothers me is that we call this whole season the, the, the people like to act like the season is a playoff, and there's importance on the season and importance on the games. Bama had their chance to beat a team that's in this playoff, and they failed at home. They had their chance against yep. Texas. They already lost. So why are we giving them another chance? A playoff means you're trying to match teams up to find a winner of games. We haven't seen Florida State lose a game. They deserve a chance to to have that opportunity to prove that they can can or cannot lose a game. Bama's already proven that they can lose. And yeah, so if we're trying to find the best team, they already had their chance. Right. And they blew it. And so the best is subjective. What's not subjective is 13-0 in a power conference, beating two teams from mm-hmm. the SEC, the team that got in, the conference that got in over them away from their house. They beat the future Heisman winner. I, I know the quarterback thing is a thing. I get it. But it just – it wouldn't have happened to an SEC team. It, it Like, it, Bama without the quarterback, Georgia without the quarterback, they're still probably in there if they're 13-0. And you know that's true. I think it's the thing. I, th- I think that's it. Like, it's that simple. It, it It is that team goes as far as Jordan Travis. How good is – I think this is a little bit of a hyperbolic example. How good is Auburn without Cam Newton? Like Jordan Travis is. Yeah, they that wouldn't have been good at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think the Florida State defense is a little bit better than that. But um, 
nothing you said is wrong. I can't disagree with anything that you said. Alabama proved that they could have beaten Texas. They could have done that. Florida State did everything that they were supposed to do. It's not their fault that Jordan Travis got hurt. Um, I don't think that it is subjective to say that I think Alabama is better in that spot than a Florida State without Jordan Travis. Um, and, and like, I don't think I disagree rest- with you. Like, I think that Bama stands a much better chance of beating Michigan. And, and, and so, look, here's the, you can also make this argument for other schools too, which is frustrating. Like, it's crazy to think that Georgia handled – they turned in their homework every single day on time for basically two years. And they lose one game in a conference championship to Alabama, and they're out. Ohio State plays perfect all year, perfect all year, has a tougher schedule than Michigan, plays Michigan on the road, lose by six points. They're not even talked about on the selection show. I didn't think that made any sense either. Like, I didn't just have a problem. I, I didn't just, like, there are just questions about one through four. How is Ohio State not – how do they not have one of the ESPN guys there talking about, well, Ohio State had a party last night that started at 11. That The coverage was hard. It was laughable. Um, yeah. But, um, but, yeah, those were kind of some of my questions. I felt like I felt like Ohio State is probably – if you're purely picking, like, the four most fun teams to watch and you just want to get Nielsen ratings, you're probably putting Ohio State in there, and you're probably putting probably putting Georgia in there. I mean, you're probably leaving out Washington. If you're doing a full pure ratings game, you're probably mm-hmm. leaving out Washington. Right. Because it's not Ohio State, and mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's not Georgia. And so mm-hmm. the, the Pac-12, good for them because they had an undefeated champion in a year where that conference was so competitive. Like – Washington could really win this thing. They 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 absolutely could really win this thing because this is a year that I do feel like it's so wide open. All the more reason I felt like Florida State should have gotten a chance. And if we want like one last thing on the injury game, because like Jordan Travis is out, so he's injured, whatever. Jonathan Brooks, the star running back for Texas, tore his ACL three weeks ago. They they found guys that were able to get them wins still, and no one has mentioned the Brooks injury at all. But and and I know it's not the quarterback. But it was one of their star players, and he's out. But that never got talked about, never got mentioned. And so the injury thing, it just it's so slippery, and it just – you can call into question so many things. Lad McConkey, he didn't look so great in the championship game. It helped Alabama get a win. No one talked about that. He was one of Georgia's star players. Brock Bowers, definitely not 100%. Didn't matter. Bama beat them, so they're the best. Like, it, it's just – I hate this injury game thing. And I know it's with a quarterback and I know Florida state, it, it brings them a different dynamic, but good for them for winning their last two games. I hope they go out and they beat Georgia. I really do in, in this game. That's not going to be easy. That is the matchup for the, uh, the orange Bowl is Georgia against FSU on December 30th at 4 PM. I claim a national title. I'm not I, like, I, I, said this yesterday. I said this yesterday. If I win the game, like I'm claiming a national championship. That yeah. all of the teams that have done that over the past, like it would be warranted. I, yeah, I, it would 100% be warranted. And it sucks too because that's such a fun matchup. Like, I, I really think it would be a fun matchup, injury aside, and who's going to sit aside. It just, it, it, it right. Really that's the worst part. It's like, we're not going to, we're going to get opt outs, you know? So, yeah. like, we're, we're going to get FSU in Georgia and you can claim a national title. But what if the top 10 players on Georgia all opt out for the draft? Then it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, that game, it's just not the same as the playoff. Right. Like, but, Rob, do you have any final comments on, on the four before we move on to some other things? No, I'm just, I'm going to buy my FSU national championship shirt and uh, <laughs> I have to go back and get a UCF national championship shirt. And it, that, yeah, because I've always made fun of UCF for that, but like, 
Yeah. And, and, and this is the worst part of all this. And Andy Bitter put this out there. He's like, please don't make Florida State a sympathetic figure. And that's exactly what has happened. Like, we don't like Florida State. Like, ACC fans in general, tech fans, like, we're not Florida State people. And yet, maybe because of the ACC, maybe because you see a little bit of yourself, like, what if we went 13-0? Would we be left out too? Like, that's what makes them sympathetic. But it's so annoying because it's pretty yeah. Florida State. And, and yeah, they became... And that's why I said you got to take the logo off, like in order to because everybody's like, oh, it's FSU. Well, who cares? They got screwed. But now FSU and Jordan Travis and everybody's like, you know, bleeding hearts for for those guys. And it's like, wait, this is this is Florida State. What what's happening here? Um, and, and you know the really unfortunate part, and I know, is I love the matchups. It's it's going to be a great playoff, and that's mm. that is. It's going to be the great a great playoff. I'm just not sure how we got there is, um, is great yeah, uh, and great for the great for the sport. Last thing, because uh, I'm going to jump off here. I will want to say, um, first of all, fun conversation again. I don't think anybody's wrong. Like if you're going into work today and you're like, you're wrong because of this. Like <laughs> yeah. there are like. The committee was left with multiple wrong choices. I wouldn't want to be on that committee yesterday. No, like that, no. that that's not that's a very tough position. Some people say, like, you had you had it, it was right there. Just mm. put in the undefeated team. But even myself in the morning, I'm like, should should Bam would be it? Yeah, you know, I, I had the, I had my own conversation with myself about it. There's no right decision. Um, but looking for looking forward to it. It's crazy this hasn't happened more. Like it really is wild that yeah. this is like the first they've year gotten off it's easy. It's crazy. Um, the last thing about bowl, bowl season that I'm really interested about, has there ever been a time that you got six head-to-head matchups between the Big Ten and the SEC? Again, the opt-out thing sucks, yeah. but you're getting Auburn, Maryland, LSU, Wisconsin, Iowa, Tennessee, Missouri, Ohio State, Ole Miss, Penn State, Michigan, Alabama. So like, many that's fun. fun. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. So well, you know, th- those are the two, those are the power players, Bill. That's what mm-hmm. they want. They want those two <laughs> conferences at the top and they want them matching up against each other. Hey, I want to see it too. I, I know, and that's the things we all we yeah. all like love college football. And the reason is is because I was watching Iowa, Nebraska two weeks ago, horrible game, but it was like better than everything else that was on because I was like, Oh, it's it's Iowa. Like I, I like the Big Ten. I grew up watching the Big Ten, and so I was watching it and those the bowl season, there are a lot of fun matchups, including Virginia Tech's matchup against Tulane. Rob and I will get into that a little bit later. But uh, you got to go, Bill? I do. I got to bounce. Happy Monday, guys. Keep it yeah. up. I love Thanks. this show. You guys do a great job. Hey. Thanks, man. Later. Happy Monday, bud. Yeah, so we will move on to just talking a little bit about the New Year's Six, and I'm sure filtering in some other commentary. Semi number one, Michigan against Alabama. Harbaugh against Saban. Monday, January 1st, 5 p.m. Semi number two. Washington against Texas in the Sugar Bowl, Monday, January 1st, 8.45 p.m. So we're back to New Year's Day games for these semis, which some some years it falls on New Year's Eve and it just doesn't feel right. But 5 p.m., 8 p.m. on the 1st, those are going to be really fun matchups, despite whatever you think about how it all went down. Moving to the other New Year's Six games, we've got Mizzou against Ohio State. Curious mm-hmm. to what what your wife thinks about that one, Rob. Uh, nice. The Ole Miss against Penn State in the Peach Bowl, Georgia against FSU in the Orange Bowl, and Liberty. Yes, that's right. The Liberty Flames are in a New Year's Six against Oregon. All the things that could have happened to keep them out of this, we fell just short. And <laughs> one of the teams from Virginia that won undefeated is going to play in a New Year's Six Bowl. And they, I mean, if Oregon doesn't have a ton of opt outs, 
or whatever, like that should be a decimation. There, yeah, that that could be a curb stomping, and I think it probably will be. It really just comes down to opt outs. That Mizzou game is awesome. I'm, I. I, I'm more excited for the Mizzou Ohio State game than I am for Penn State um, and and the Ole Miss game. I, I think I think Penn State could get waxed in that game. Um, I don't. I've been. I I, I really it, and I don't think offensively they're going to be able to keep up. Um, is is my is my guess there? But uh, the, the the matchups overall are awesome. That that's the problem. Is you know I walk away and I say. You know, if this was just a let's match up great teams, then we ended up, you know, with really, really, really good teams for um, for those six games. Yeah, I know it. That Washington, Texas game is going to be awesome, like really fun in the Sugar Bowl. Like that is that's a great location. And and the other one's the Rose Bowl. So like with the Pac-12 going away, the Rose Bowl and its identity is changing it for, for good this time. It's already been changing since the BCS came into existence, but now like it's not going to be associated with the big 10 and the pack 10 and the pack 12 yeah. uh, it's, but Michigan is in there. And so a final send off to have a big 10 team in there, but it's, it's kind of terrible. They couldn't get the Washington, Michigan Rose bowl. Like that yeah. would have been really cool. Like to have for historic sake, if you're not aware Historically, the Pac-10 and the Big Ten always played in the Rose Bowl. And that's Correct. the granddaddy of them all and a very old matchup that they, they always had. So that would have been cool. But regardless, the matchups are are great. And uh, my early read on it is that Washington will win that Texas game. But mm-hmm. it's 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 a little too early to say. I got I got to I got to sit on it maybe for a couple of weeks. I got I got to go Washington because I've been all over them. This, yeah, you, like, you have six been, weeks. Yeah. It's uh and but I mean with the offensive uh, firepower there, I just there there could be a lot of lot of scoring in that game. I think mean, they were talking yesterday. Washington is susceptible against the run. Um, I know you talked about Texas a little bit and you know the injuries and stuff like that, but still a very very nice running offense. Texas is susceptible against the pass, and now you have Washington coming in there. I mean that is that's going to be awesome. That game's going to be so phenomenal, and uh, I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, and and even though Texas beat Alabama, which is a great win, I still feel like Washington is more battle tested because of all the close games they played down the stretch. That's one of the reasons. I had such a hard time picking them to beat Oregon and be in my playoff floors because it was seven one score games in a row. And like from the last time they played Oregon, which was a very nice win at home, Mm -hmm. they had not come out and crushed a team. In fact, it looked like they were going to lose several of those games, made it very hard to believe in them when Oregon's going out and crushing Utah and beating a bunch of other teams up real good. They even Oregon state, their rival, like they did a really good job quieting them and, and putting them down. And so I found that game on Friday night. One, it was a great game between Washington mm-hmm. and Oregon. But that was – I was shocked. Like, I was yeah. I was legitimately shocked, especially after – with the way it started. Because Washington yeah. just, like, got all over them. Knicks looked – even though the commentators were kind of saying, like, Knicks is always cool and collected. He's even cool and calm right now. It's like, he's playing terrible right now. Like, yeah, like, I, what, I what are you talking about? <laughs> I, maybe he's calm, but he's not playing well. And he couldn't get it going. It, and it took them too long. And even though they got the lead, which I was very impressed by, because uh, they kind of looked dead in the water, Washington came right back. Yep. And, and they scored. And even then it looked like Washington had it locked up. 
in two plays, like Oregon goes right down the field and scores. Like I know. I, I yeah. said there was a tweet I put out. And it's always the famous thing, right? Like you say something about a game and then it instantly changes. I was like, well, if if Texas Texas if Oregon doesn't get that score right before the half because of the PI call, mm-hmm. like they might not have been in the game at all. Like they, right. they that call really helped them. And then right after that, Oregon right scored. <laughs> They're like, oh. And I'm like, um, well, that was fast. <laughs> yeah, but I think that game is is indicative of what we're talking about here, right? Oregon was a nine and a half point favorite in that exactly. game. A nine and a half point favorite. So um, th- this this comes down to Vegas not mattering. What you think not mattering. Like all of those, the perception, Oregon, you know, I was talking to uh, somebody on Saturday. We were watching the games and um, they're talking about Washington, how they're not believers in Washington's offense. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, really at, at this point? But that's why you get on the field and you play the games. Um, yes. And that that's what I think is is the real key here. And it, it was fun to they did guess the spread in on uh, the, the the playoff selection show and um i i was i'm intrigued to see what ends up happening but the lines ultimately do not matter especially for teams like washington that are used to playing close games they've been playing close games for a while and they managed to you know rain control and then take down oregon and and get two wins off of them so that that was a phenomenal phenomenal that's game. why when saban said that either it was last year or the year before like we would be favored in vegas against all of these teams like we should be in it's like that is one of the most ridiculous things you've ever said because yes. vegas is not meant to predict winners it is meant no. to get even money on both sides like that's yeah. that's the design of vegas and so yes you would be favored oregon was favored by two yep. scores and yep. they lost and didn't look particularly good doing it for most of the game. Right. And so it is absolutely why you play the games. And it, like everyone wants to point like, okay, yeah, the SEC should be in. Look what they did to TCU in the final. TCU got to the final. Yeah. Like, they, they, like no one thought they could beat Michigan. They beat Michigan yeah. with defensive scores and whatever. But FSU could do that. You know, yeah. FSU beat Clemson with Jordan Travis. Because of defense, because right. they had a scoop and score against Clemson. Like they didn't like, yes, Jordan Travis was instrumental to that victory, but you get my point. Like you, yeah. there are ways to win games as you pointed out when we were talking about the Louisville game. And that's, I just would be, I think we're going to, this is going to keep coming back, I guess, but I just would be so sick if I was a Florida State fan. Like I listened to the Noel cast uh, this morning. Or early oh this no, morning, you did that. It, it was Bud Elliott and whoever the other host is. And I mean, it was a funeral, you know, like, yeah. like basically Bud wasn't, but the other guy, like it, it had seemed like he had been crying. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that's what it seemed like, because they're so upset, like so upset. Well, they did that walk, the selection watch show, all the FSU players are in a, you know, in that conference room or yeah. and they're, they're watching. And I just, I didn't think that they had the balls to just totally just say, you know what? We don't give a shit about anybody. We're putting in the better team. And that's what they, they, they basically, that's what and, they and, and ultimately what I walked when, so me and my wife, as soon as I saw who the pick were, I turned off the college selection show and I was just sitting there talking with my wife. And I just said, like it, 
the game is changing so much with NIL and the money and all that kind of stuff. And I just said, this is just so like such a stab in the hearts of what college football was. Right. And what it's in the way that it's moving. Like you had all this stuff, all of this like NIL money, all this, and people are like trying to get comfortable with it. We're all trying to like level set, like, you know, college football hasn't changed that much. And I, I, you know, used to like fight all my friends are NFL fans. And I used to say like, you know, college football is great for all of these reasons. And all of those reasons are slowly getting eliminated. And then I'm sitting there going, well, hell, maybe NFL, maybe I should become an NFL fan because at least they have like, a normal like way of getting in. It can't like be like it can't, it can't be argued, <laughs> right? Breakers, it's yes. yeah. It just and I was like, man, I was like, we have really just jumped the shark here in terms of like what we have just done. Because if you are an FSU fan, at the end of the year, if you beat Georgia, forget the opt outs and all that kind of stuff, you you have to claim a national championship. You have to because you never lost a game and you're a power five team and you beat other conferences to show that you're better two time reigning champions right <laughs> to and do it exactly so i don't know what what else you would do i think if you're an fsu fan and on that null cast i think that's what you just have to say is like you know we're going to consider ourselves national championships and i would roll my eyes at a lot of teams doing that and but i think in this particular instance i would be like you know what you're 100 right Absolutely. Because, um, you know, and the college football committee, while this is ending this year, has to live with that forever. And that's what I love. These 13 people get to live with the fact forever that in the college football annals or annals, depending on how you want to pronounce it, (laughs) that forever you're going to look back and be like, man, those guys were so dumb. Like all they, in order to come up with a way of making sure that every team was vetted, that every team had a chance and, you know, that was in a power five, got a chance, and then they lost at their chance to win. They avoided that and they didn't do it. And then instead they had a team out there. And just like when people claim national championships from like 60 years ago, where you have like five teams that all claim to be national championships, here we are in 2023 and there's going to be two teams potentially claiming a national championship. Yeah. It's funny how far we've come in the sport and yet we thought we fixed it in 04 and we're right back here again. I mean, this happened. I I was a Penn state fan growing up, said it many times on the show, Penn state 1994 undefeated season beat Oregon in the Rose bowl, Kerry Collins, Kajana Carter, an incredible team. One of the best teams to not win a national title. They didn't get a share. Mm-hmm. Nebraska beat Miami, I think, in the Orange Bowl. They won it all. Like, they they were called national champions. Penn State, to my knowledge, has never even claimed to be a national champion. Like, that that just – Tom Osborne in Nebraska, they went undefeated. The AP decided they were number one. The coaches decided they were number one. And it would you, and it's very similar to this year in some ways. Mm-hmm. Team wearing red ends up winning the national title or at least getting the nod from the media types. In this case, it was the selection committee because Tom Osborne – had never won a national championship and they were trying to send him out the right way. Or he, maybe it was his, it was like his last year or second to last year. And they thought it might be his last year. So they gave it to him. Yeah. That's how, that's how college football has worked forever. And so like conspiracy theory or not. Yep. Bama got in cause it's the sec and they have the most power players and they're saving. Like that's, that's how they got in. 
And that's yeah. just the way I feel. I think that's the way a lot of other people feel. And I think it's the truth. Like mm -hmm. I, I like because this narrative of why Alabama should be in, I said it started before the FSU game, even even kicked off. Before they even kicked off, mm -hmm. Bama was in that playoff behind oh. closed doors. Like that's yeah. that's the way I feel. Uh, and what Power Five and the ACC screwed up, in my opinion, at least the teams like the Pac-12 and the ACC should have made a point at some time or another to get a phrasing in the playoff rules. If you are a 13 and 0 Power Five champion, you are in the playoff. Like it's a rule. You can't yeah. you can't not put them in. And like they probably thought, well, that would never happen that a 13 and 0 Power Five champion would get left out. But it should have been. A rule. I guess the only reason you can't have that rule potentially is because you could have five. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. you could make you could make an auxiliary. Like if you had five undefeated Power Five champions, you could have said the lowest rated by the committee is out. Like, but yeah. all the you have to have any of them are a lock if there's four or less. Yeah, and I think the other um, thing that is not getting enough coverage is the ACC doesn't get to to really say all that much about this either. There was a chance before this whole stupid alliance between the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC when everybody was pissed at the SEC to expand the playoff. What was that three years ago? Yeah. It was on the table. The committee had already done their work, and the ACC, along with the Big Ten, everybody, they waved it off. They could have expanded it at that time. Instead, they formed this stupid alliance that has done nothing never whatsoever for any of the conferences because immediately afterwards – the S the Big Ten goes and raids and gets Washington and you know the alliance is dead, right? So we got this stupid alliance. It was no a handshake agreement, Rob. Yes, a handshake <laughs> agreement. They didn't need but, a contract. But that ultimately is the biggest indictment of this whole thing is the short-sighted approach of the commissioners not to see something like this coming and to know that guess what? We're going to create this alliance, but it's going to have no effect. And down the road, we're going to end up getting burnt on this. And they got burnt. The ACC yeah. got burned. And they they created their own grave in this particular instance. And they should be looking around at themselves that, that really created this instance of FSU not getting in. Yeah, and it's it's just another example of how unserious the ACC is when it comes to football. And there there are countless examples. You could look at the attendance at Pitt and at Miami on these on these seemingly big games at Virginia. You know, they're mm -hmm. playing a top ten opponent in UNC, or uh, it was at UNC actually. It's, yeah. it's it's a top ten team at your own house. You know, you're you're hosting Virginia. They lost the game maybe because your stadium was half empty. Like <laughs> that. It's and and that's a. And that's a big school. That's a, a power basketball school that doesn't take football seriously, despite having Mac Brown and despite having Drake May. They still don't take it seriously. And and Boo Corrigan, like I already commented on, he's our representative for the ACC. You stink. You couldn't get FSU in the playoff at thirteen and zero. You must be the worst advocate for a conference I've ever seen. Like yes. that is absolutely ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous that we didn't get in, and it's because. They're not good enough at the politicking and, and being yep. in these rooms. They're just not good enough at it. And it's all the more reason as soon as we can, we have to get out Yeah. for the next couple of years, even for FSU being in the ACC is actually a good thing because yeah. you're going to have an easier chance to be a top 12 team and get in the playoff. Agreed. Here's another you know fun mind game that I love to, I love these things because if there was an SEC person that 
was in the committee and they came up with a ruling and then they decided that Alabama was going to be out. Right. Yeah. And then that person was the, the lead commissioner that had to go out and talk to the press. You know what would have happened? The SEC person would have said, no, you left our yeah. team out. I'm yeah. not going to talk. Absolutely. And that and that and, and I know that seems childish and a little bit spiteful. But what that is, is that is an indictment of how the ACC treats football in yes. comparison to what the Big Ten and the SEC. The Big Ten probably would have marched somebody out there, but that's because of their academic prowess and they want to hold themselves greater. They think they're classier. Else. Yeah, exactly. They would have done it. The SEC would have been like, we're not sending somebody out there to go announce yeah. this. No, screw that. And that's what they should have done. And that would have been standing by your members. Yes. That would have been the right thing to do is say, you know what? I'm not going out there. to. No, that's this. An, this is a shame. An unfair process that in my personal opinion was a complete farce. Like yeah. I, 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 going into it the net yesterday morning, I think I, I hadn't really taken a clean stance because we hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. But as soon as it came down, I was like, I cannot believe they did that. I, yeah. I cannot believe they left out a 13 and 0 P5 champ. I really can't quarterback or not wins or not. It's, it's just, it's, it's really unfathomable. And that was the language from whether it was Mike Norvell or the FSU AD or a couple other people, Jim Phillips, I think even who, which Jim Phillips is another one. You didn't do enough. You didn't yep. do enough. You, you weren't game day on Saturday was like an sec infomercial. And, and maybe I'm viewing it as a bias, but I, I saw that from a bunch of other people too, that like yep. it Phillips needed his butt out there talking, yep. saying it's hard to go 13 and 0. FSU deserves a shot. They're winning these games without a quarterback. That's a strength that shows yep. how good they are. And yep. none, none of that happened. Nope. Uh, let's take a quick moment to talk about our sponsor. And then I want to get to coaching carousel. I want to get to Virginia Tech's bowl game, uh, maybe a little portal talk and whatever else Rob's got. As I said at the top of the show, College Football Monday is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. They're a family-owned and operated business that's been around for over 40 years. They have full service. They can rebuild your engine or transmission. They do diesel repair, fleet service, uh, state inspections. They sell tires, oil changes, anything that you need for your car going into this winter to protect it. McCoy's has you covered. So head to McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford for all of your vehicle maintenance needs this winter or give them a call. 540-639-2933. The number is right on the screen. And you can also find them on Facebook. Super easy finds. Quick McCoy's search. They'll pop right up. Just like that old hokey buddy of yours, McCoy's, unlike the committee, is a name you can trust. Uh, let's talk. Uh, you mentioned the Alabama-Georgia game. I don't think we have to get too into that. The one thing I, I thought was funny is that the score was the same score as the Auburn game. Oh, <laughs> like, was it? <laughs> like they, they beat Auburn 27-24 and they beat Georgia 27-24, which is just hilarious. Yeah, it was um so I watched almost all of that game. I was at a um I was at a Friendsgiving um and I talked to almost nobody. I just watched the game the entire time. <laughs> and two college football fan. Yeah. I I came away with um Georgia being very uh confused. They didn't know what to do. So Essentially, what I gathered from watching that game was um, their quarterback is not very good, um, and they didn't feel comfortable just throwing it. And they kept trying to fall back on the run game, and Alabama was just 
absolutely demolishing them in the run game on the line of scrimmage. And they didn't know what to do. Uh, and that was, that was it. I thought Milrow looked good. I thought he still has, he's still young. Obviously he overthrew a lot of passes, probably, you know, four or five passes that he, he could have put on, you know, on the numbers and, and maybe had a completion, but um, I didn't come away with really being impressed with either one of these teams other than uh, Alabama's run defense. That's what I can't Alabama's run defense really impressed me in this game. Nothing else from either team impressed me whatsoever. No, um, they were I, both terrible on third down. And that was one of the things with Beck. I didn't think he played terrible or, and I, I thought he actually was tremendous down the stretch of the season yes. for Georgia. He, he showed a lot of improvement in that he can be potentially an elite quarterback down the line. Yeah. But they were four of twelve on third down. I think Bama was like three of thirteen on third down. Mm-hmm. It was a defensive battle, and Bama's defense has been spectacular this year. Yep. They've got dudes all over the place. They were absolutely stuffing that run, as you said. And Milrow did enough. He scored two pass TDs. He had the big run after mm-hmm. Georgia's final score, which kind of like put the nail in the coffin. Yep. Um, and they just outlasted after getting up early. And it was a really fun game. Like I, I yeah. enjoyed the game. It was a kind of a classic slugfest college football game. And it was, it was fun. So yeah. that was one thing about championship weekend. I feel like we haven't gotten in a while. It's just that the games, a lot of the games were good. Like yes. most of the games were competitive. Even if the Louisville FSU game wasn't like fireworks, like it yeah. was competitive. It was a good game, good defense. And just to run through them, Liberty beat New Mexico state and, if Pavia doesn't get hurt in that game, pissing Pavia, if he doesn't get hurt, New Mexico State might have won because they were just scoring at will, both teams scoring yep. at will in that game. And that was actually a really fun game. A couple fourth down calls um, or reviews and stuff that got overturned that could have led to the cover for New Mexico State, which I was cover- hoping for at least. But they played a good game, could have won. Liberty got the win. Washington beat Oregon. Texas beat OK State. And that game was just it, they, yeah. they crushed them. I mean, Texas yeah, looked really them. good in that game. And, and Texas played like they knew what they had to do. They yeah. had to, they, in order to make sure that they were guaranteed to be in the top four, they had to go out and they had to stomp um, Oklahoma State. And that's what they did. So they took care of business and they did. And they set the, you know, that, that last game sticks in people's minds of it what, they, you know, they're going to do when they go in that committee room and they left no doubt. Yeah. And, sometimes that can work against you. Like, Oh, we need to go out and we need to throttle this team and they play tight. And yep. I, that, that was the only thing I caught thought could have slipped Texas up is that they try too hard to crush them and that they end up choking. That it's not what happened. They got up early. They stayed up and they won Miami, Ohio beat Toledo 23 to four that or not four, um, 14. They <laughs> typo on my end, but that, that game, Toledo was had one loss. They had one loss yeah. at the very beginning of the year. They had run off 11 straight. I thought they might win in cover. The MAC is so unpredictable. Like yes. e- even in their championship game, it is so unpredictable. Good for Miami, Ohio for getting that win. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that where your wife went to school? Yes, it is. <laughs> we we did not watch that game. Um, She's yeah, a she, she is a she Ohio State through and through, uh, despite having graduated from Miami of Ohio. Yes. Boise State beat UNLV. They continued their hot finish to the season, forty-four yep. to twenty. They, it's that is they got to retain that coach, right? Like he's he's got to be coming back. I uh, the Boise State coach because they fired he's their gone. coach mid-season. Uh, what I'm yeah, saying yeah, is yeah. the interim. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like they yes. should they got to retain that interim coach. Yes. Yep, I agree. 
Um, Bama beat Georgia. SMU beat Tulane 26 to 14, a game where I thought Tulane might have a slight edge and be able to to win and, and maybe cover the four and a half points or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. SMU with their backup quarterback mm-hmm. comes in and gets a huge win and is one spot away from if I, if I add these to the screen one more time. Oh man, one spot away from being the in the New Year Six instead of Liberty, but Liberty keeps the spot. So being undefeated matters, Rob, mm-hmm. but only if it's Liberty at the back end of the rankings <laughs> and not Florida State at the front end of the rankings. That's where that's where being undefeated matters. <laughs> yeah, and SMU better be happy because um, that this is going on because this is a scenario that could actually be impactful in the 12 um, team yeah. is right here, that 23-24. Thankfully, um, well, I guess SMU, you could say, is going to a Power 5, but then the Power <laughs> 5 that's getting relegated to a group of five. So they're moving forward at the same time they're moving backwards. So Yeah, that, it's funny because um, we, we are adding a champ to our conference. So yes. in, in theory, like SMU has the ability we have seen them be at the top of the sport it was Mm -hmm. a long time ago but they have been at the top of this sport they have the money Mm -hmm. even without getting a share of acc money for the next 10 years they have the money to be competitive and so it's going to be very interesting how they recruited you know a fertile recruiting ground i mean they they have a lot going for them um and the money helps uh so i it's it's a good ad you know, yeah. if, of, it seems like of, a good ad right now of the three ads. I think it's, it shows itself to be you know very good right now. Uh, Absolutely. I know the AAC wasn't like with the, with the losses they've taken over the years to the big 12 and whatnot. It's not the yeah. power, the, the, they always wanted to call themselves the power six. Like they yes. were the sixth. It's definitely downgraded from then, but UTSA was a good team. Tulane was a good team. SMU throttled just about all the poor teams on their schedule. Like they, they yeah. crushed a bunch of teams. So very worthy champion and a good ad for the ACC. There's a question here in the chat. Do you guys think if Texas score had been closer, but still a win for Texas, would we be seeing Alabama and FSU and Texas out? And I think that's a simple answer, at least for me, because Texas had the win over Bama. As long as they won, they were going to be in this playoff. I agree. Yes. I I think as long as they won, then they were going to be in. What I'm not okay with is saying that, the committee was going to have to make a bad decision no matter what. And that's been a lot of the narrative is there yeah. was no good decision here. And I think, okay, even, first of all, <laughs> that logic doesn't hold water. And then two, if there were like three bad decisions that you had to choose from, they choose the, they chose the worst one, quite frankly. Like yeah. they, they chose the least justifiable one based on the results on the field. So, Yeah, I don't know if, the, if, if I agree with that last sentence per se but the idea that there was no like clean decision is wrong because yeah. there were three undefeated teams and a team that beat alabama who was a champion mm-hmm. and so like it's clean like you, yeah because texas there's a in most years texas and alabama don't play so you wouldn't have as clean of an outcome but it was clean like you yeah. had three undefeated p5s and you had texas who beat alabama leave yeah. the sec out it was simple it was yeah. so simple and they had to screw it up. And like of all the logic bombs we've heard over the last 24 hours, to me, if we want to pride college football on being, you know, do or die every week, it, yep. every game matters. It is a playoff all season long. If we want to go by that logic, 
Bama had their shot against Texas. They had the home field and they lost. They've already played a team in the playoff and they lost. Yeah. Your chance is over. Like <laughs> you, you, that's why like when teams lose their conference title game, I think mm-hmm. that should automatically eliminate them yeah. because like that you're one week away. This isn't a different, some, sometimes teams change yeah. throughout the year. This is the last game. You lose your last game. You're out. Like that's why like yeah. Ohio state or Michigan, when they lose the game, you're out. That's a playoff game. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be in now in the 12 team it's going to be different. Yeah, I think the I think the mind pretzel that really just happened for people was most people were concerned about the twelve team playoff making the regular season irrelevant, right? That that was yeah. the that was that was always the tagline for these people that were against the expansion of the playoff. Well, look what just happened, right? We just it. we're a four team, and we just said, "Hey, who cares about the regular season anyway?" So, so in my mind, the only safety net there is to add more teams. The only way to overcome people with stupid opinions in a conference room is to add more teams. Um, and that's why I said to my wife, my wife's a, a scientist, you know, by trade, and I said, "You know what you do, and you take care of, and scientists deal with this all the problem. This is a sample size issue." That's yeah. what this is. You expand the sample size and then you get better data and outcomes by expanding the sample size because then you're leaving less up to chance um, using a, you know laws of small numbers. And, and that, and we have a comment here, but I want to get back to what you just said. There's, they seem to be unwilling to leave the SEC out and work backwards from there, 100%. And, and, and I, that's my opinion. I, I'll, yeah. I'll leave it there. That's my opinion that like they were going to get the SEC in here. It always felt like it was going to be difficult to keep them out and they found a way to get them in. And so, yes, Brian, Byron, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, The sample size thing. That's another clear example of why this was the wrong decision. Look at the AP. Yeah. The AP got it right. The AP has Florida state in the top four. Yep. And that's, you know, way more voters that Mm -hmm. aren't just talking themselves in circles for 24 hours. Like, That that is the clearest example of how the committee got this wrong. And I know I have complained about the AP in the past, and and mm-hmm. you know you can have biases because these these writers they write for certain teams. But over that large of a sample, with with the integrity that a lot of these writers have, you tend to get the correct thing. And to yeah. me, the AP got it right, and the committee got it wrong. Because when you're it's the same reason that you have people. I, I say this to like my team all the time. It's like if you write something, you don't edit your own writing because you're too in the weeds and you need a second to step back and kind of look at things. So everybody, they get into this committee and there's so much information, there's so much data, there's so much stats on like what they do on third down when they know, you know, it has to be a pass play, right? There's so much that you can't step back and do what you just did, which is say, okay, we had three undefeated teams and then we had a Texas team that beat Alabama. Pretty easy. Let's just make it that. Yeah. Like, wait, wait, like that. Sometimes simplicity is the easiest solution and it's Occam's razor. And it's like, you know, sometimes the easiest solution is just like the right one. That's, that's it. Yeah. And it, it, it certainly seemed to be the case here. And, um, it's just, it's a damn shame for Florida state and a damn shame for the ACC because it does, it does just make cheapens the conference and, and that those games in week three and those games in week six, when Florida state's playing NC state, like, does it matter? They no. didn't. And 
it's funny I use that example because I don't think they played this year. And maybe if Florida State <laughs> had, had played NC State this year, the third best team in the conference, it would have helped them. But there are a lot of things that you can you can play this out. Like if Louisville had beaten Kentucky, yeah, you know, that one extra point against the SEC and Louisville's in the top 10 when Florida State plays them this past week, does that help? Does Clemson not losing a freak game to Duke or that game to NC State? And say Clemson had made the the ACC championship and FSU Mm -hmm. beats just the name of Clemson in the championship game. Would they have gotten in even without Jordan Travis? Like there are so many ways you could play this out. But as it stands, like Florida State, they didn't even play like a week strength. They went and they played LSU on a neutral site in week one against the future Heisman winner and they won and they kind of killed them at the end. And it, and, and because their quarterbacks hurt, they're done. doesn't matter. Like I just, it's going to lead to other problems. Like if here's a greatest, say Jordan Travis had high ankle sprain and it's severe, it's really bad. And like, he's not going to be able to play in the championship, but we didn't all see his leg snap in half. Well, then Mike Norvell can be like, he'll be back. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll have him in a week. Put us yeah. in the playoff. Like that's that's where this could go so wrong down the line. It's because you are not going to get an honest thing about anyone. If we didn't know the severity of Jordan Travis's injury because of how ugly it was, mm-hmm. they could have just lied and they'd be in. <laughs> yeah. Or what if he had potential to like really cause injury for himself for, you know, the foreseeable future, then you're just going to shoot him up. Right. And mm-hmm. he's probably going to, yeah, and then, you know, put him in the game. Why? Because if he's not in the game, then you don't make the playoff. Right. Like, <laughs> think of what we've just done. Right. Like, now you have made it where people are like, okay, in order to get to the playoff, I have to take a quarter zone shot and basically maybe show that I can you know, play in the championship and, game and show that I can play in the championship game. That's what you've just, that's what you've effectively done. Right. And, yeah. and that's, and, and you've made it tangible like of that being the case that you want to reward situations where you're willing to risk injury over, over, you know, to force people to get into a playoff. That doesn't make any sense. And and people can say, well, that's irrelevant now because it's not four anymore. I hear you on that, but the seating in this new format absolutely matter. Getting a buy as a top Mm -hmm. four team will matter. Those yeah. teams are going to be heavy favorites to win it all because it's one less game, one yep. less wear and tear, uh, one less chance to lose. They are those buys are so important, and and uh, five to eight home yeah. game, yeah. like a home game. <laughs> so yeah. if you're if you're a nine to twelve, like it's going to be virtually impossible for you to win the playoff. Like mm-hmm. it'll probably happen at some point, but like it's going to be virtually impossible because you're not at home in round one and you don't have a buy, and so. Yes, there won't be fighting to get in, but there will be fighting for seating and it will be almost oh. just as important. It will be it'll be worse, I think, because now you have those bye games are important because of the injuries and you want to make sure that you don't have, you know, those those injuries. And then the next four spots, now you're talking about the economic realities of playing a home game that's a playoff. You know how much money that's going to bring yeah. in to those towns and those cities? A ton. That is that is like on that's like taking the amount that you make of money for the playoff and putting it on steroids because that is all the bars, all the restaurants, all the hotels. Getting the nine spot versus the eight spot is going to be critical oh, to yeah. 
all of the people that want that home game. So you could make the argument that like some schools that Florida State might be a good example this year. Like you might want that home game more than you want the buy. Because if you feel that your school doesn't have a shot to actually win two games and win the championship, even with the buy, you might be like, let's get that payday. Let's get a home game in Blacksburg because we're going to make a ton of money. Not to mention all the free advertising you get for your school by being a playoff team. And bringing recruits. I mean, bringing recruits recruits to a home game game that is a college football playoff game, that would be immense. And that's why I always say this, and this is what makes me – really really pissed off is is people say well it's just making it they never had a shot in the playoff it doesn't matter washington washington is not in the playoff this year right if they didn't make it five years ago or whatever it was six years ago that set them on a trajectory these things have a butterfly effect on the entire future of your program because there's so much money involved that it is imperative for you to be successful and if you can make that playoff it can set your program on a whole different trajectory from a recruiting perspective from the coaches you can bring in to the assistant coaches you can bring in to the fan base support monetarily and what they're going to do for your program so you know it doesn't it doesn't matter necessarily about winning it all but getting into that sets you on a whole different you know trajectory moving forward yeah, that's that's an excellent point because the recruiting and like, does Michael Penix ever come to, to Washington if Washington wasn't in the playoffs five six years ago? Like it, it yeah. you maybe, but yeah. like it raises the profile of the school to the point that you can go and bring in a Penix, and yeah. that's what Buzz Williams did for our basketball program. It raises our profile to a point that people have heard of us. We can get a decent coach in Mike Young. He can bring in some transfers, and we win an ACC title. Like mm-hmm. that ACC title was won when when Buzz Williams chose Virginia Tech. Right. Like, that that's a, like that's a good corollary, at least in my eyes. Yeah. Um, let's. Do you have any final commentary on any of that before we do a little coaching carousel talk? No, let's do it. All right. Uh, San Diego State hired Sean Lewis. Uh, that was the guy at Colorado who got demoted halfway through the season by Dion, but I think is an excellent hire for San Diego State. I would uh, I would agree. I haven't followed this one as closely, but I think that is a, a good hire and a program that I love to see when uh, San Diego State is doing well. Um, if you think back, you know, four years ago when they had that like sick run game or three years ago when they when they. Uh, yes, uh, that was uh, awesome. It's a good hire. Yeah, it's a good hire. And it's funny with the Pac-12 kind of mo- moving east in in so many ways (laughs) like san diego there's an opportunity here for san diego state in in southern california to 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 make some hay because they have proven to be a good program over the years syracuse hired fran brown from uga a a star Mm -hmm. recruiting assistant from georgia to go to syracuse that one is a a little bit odd for me uh because recruiting at syracuse is going to be a lot different (laughs) well that's you have these coaches where it's like you're solving for the wrong problem Right. Like, or you're solving for what's, and maybe their recruiting will improve and maybe they'll bring in some better talent, but you're never going to bring in enough to, you can have more of an impact on Syracuse by bringing in a great football coach who can coach up the players that you can get versus trying to um, dissuade, you know, or kind of think of yourself as being able to get a lot of good recruits moving forward. There's just a limit on what Syracuse can do given the location. Yeah, and I totally agree. I feel like a guy who has more of a true track record as a developer and a builder 
would have maybe been a better choice. However, Fran could end up being that. It's yep. it just that right now he's tabbed as a recruiter, and so it seems a little mm-hmm. bit like an odd fit. Houston hires Willie Fritz away from Tulane, which might be very good for us since we were playing <laughs> Tulane at the bowl game. Willie Fritz is an excellent coach, yes. kind of a coach that's a little bit longer in the tooth. He's 63 years old. But is he that old now? Yeah. Oh, man. He's wow. moving to moving to Houston, who's in a power conference. Tulane is one of the people that is mm-hmm. the odd man out here. And and like you can look at the two teams in the Pac-12 that got left out. Uh, there's you know your Yukons and your Tulanes and a few other teams. But Willie now moves into a very school with rich coffers who mm-hmm. paid a lot to Danner Holgerson and didn't quite get the results that they want, specifically in year one in the in the Big 12. But I think he's a great football coach and a really yes. good hire for Houston. I think that will do very well. And he, he will have the resources to to make something happen there. The, the AD there, I forget the woman's name, but she went on a, a full tour back before they bought Holgerson. And they they were very, very committed to spending the resources and what they need to make that program um, better than better than it has been. And they had some really good seasons before he even got there. I mean, yeah. they, they've had some some excellent seasons. So they have the ability in that Big 12, the future Big 12, it's wide open for mm-hmm. any team to become a powerhouse. It could be Colorado, could yeah. be one of the Arizona schools, but it could be Houston. Like the, and and or some of the older like Oklahoma State like it could be some of those teams that have already been in the Big Twelve but that that's a very wide open conference looking for powerhouses so Willie Fritz is going to have his chance West Virginia retains Neil Brown he had he was coaching for his job this year and he did uh, pretty well and well enough to keep them around I'm sure that has some West Virginia fans a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a little bit upset but uh, I'm okay yep. with that. <laughs> yep, I, if they're upset, we're happy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> USC, I just heard this one about their defensive coordinator. We know Alex Grinch was out at USC. Yeah. They might be turning across town and bringing in UCLA's DC. Ooh, that could be good. Yeah, a little, okay, little bit of drama there. Uh, and he, UCLA had, if you, didn't, if you weren't aware, I, I'm not a Chip Kelly fan, but that defense was a ferocious unit. Their, their front four on the D-line was very good. And so that's... Uh, it's going to be interesting if that goes down. And then Stockstill, Rick Stockstill out at MTSU after 18 seasons. And I only bring that up because he has been around and been a solid coach for a number yeah. of years. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just a, a sea change that uh, it's when a coach is there for 18 years, that doesn't happen too often in college these days. And so yeah. I thought I had to mention that one. It'll be, that's, that's another place that with the conference they're in, like it's winnable. Like mm-hmm. if you get the right guy in middle Tennessee, like, some recruiting grounds around there. Like you, you could do some stuff, but and they've had good seasons. Yeah, um, it wasn't, it wasn't year in year out, but every two to three years, they would put together a really good season. And um, it's, you know, that everybody is going to eventually fall into the, the sea change of coaches only make it four to five years. And it's just another, another situation where, you know, a long-term coach is out. All right. I got the Heisman odds, Rob. Oh, and, on last week's episode, I said it was basically a two-man race between yep. Knicks and Jaden Daniels. What do you think the odds are now? Who's the leader for the odds right now? Do you? Do you it's got to be Jaden Daniels, right? It, it, it uh, is Jaden Daniels. It's minus by a 14, lot now. fourteen fifty. Minus fourteen fifty. Wow. Yeah. So it's 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 he's he should win. He's gonna he's he's got it. Penix is now number two. I would I would guess that. 
Okay. Um, after that, after after that win, and not just the win, but the demonstration in the prior game. Remember, they had to make they Oregon had scored, and then Penix had to lead them down the field to mm-hmm. score to end up winning that game. So I think he's demonstrated enough that uh, he he should take that two spot in, in my my mind. And he and he won the Washington State game in yep. in, at, at, on a, in a drive. I know Odunze was was keenly responsible, but like. Yeah. He's the quarterback of that team. So, yep. uh, and the, the number two odds, do you have any kind of guess on what they could be? So the, uh, Daniels is minus 1450. What do you think Penix is? Plus what? Plus, I don't know. I don't know. I, I couldn't even fathom yeah, a guess. Not good. Not good. 1200. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I could still maybe see an outside chance that he gets it. I could. You think I could, so? If, I'm, when's the when's the voting done? It's, they, they sent out the ballots about two weeks ago, maybe maybe last week, and so it's it's this weekend, isn't it? The oh. night of the Army Navy, like isn't oh yeah, because this, this they always do it, and everybody's always it's so annoyed that they do it before the actual playoff takes place, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's what where everything would. Change. It's a regular season slash championship game award. It's that's the funny thing is it's like it's kind of a postseason two award, but not a full postseason award. Yeah. They should really just wait to the end, but then that would kind of eliminate teams that didn't make the playoff. So I, I do appreciate them doing it before the playoffs start. But it automatically eliminates teams that didn't make their championship game too. So Well, it doesn't. It doesn't because Daniels is going to win it. Daniels is going to win it, yes. But if it was close and then one person made it to a championship game, and uh, this is a landslide type situation, I'm talking about like a close mm-hmm. runner, then you know the team that is in the championship game would have an advantage. Right. They play I, well. Yeah, exactly. I am drinking my uh, Compass Coffee this morning. Yes. I, I received some holiday blend in the mail recently. Ooh. I did a little Black Friday purchase, and I I put out the fact that you could use code two DBT and order your Compass Coffee. We had a great deal going for Cyber Monday; it was like fifty percent off. But they're still offering twenty percent off, and there are other deals going on with Compass that they they have things on discount and whatnot. If you don't live in the DC area, they'll ship it right to your house. They have a great app, so go to the Compass Coffee app or their website and order code two D. Use code 2DBT for 20% off your order. If you're a dark roast person, they have tons of different blends. They have blonde blends. They have so many different mild roasts. Like any type of coffee you could want, decaf, they got it all. I, and I ordered it all. I have so many canisters of Compass Coffee upstairs. But uh, but make sure you're doing it. Compass Coffee, great coffee, doesn't have to be complicated. Went through all the championship games. Let's talk about the portal real quick, Rob, because this thing's okay. opening up today. And I, and I counted so people can keep track at home. Uh, five hundred and look at five, you. <laughs> five hundred and forty-four people in the portal on on three as of eight fifty this morning. Five forty-four guys Ooh. in the transfer portal on on three. So later today and tomorrow and this week, keep an eye on how that number grows from Monday because before today, you essentially had to be a graduate. Yeah. Or graduating or to be in the transfer portal. There were some other circumstances, but this is the day. This is why all the language was he intends to enter, like Bryce Duke intends mm-hmm. to enter because he couldn't enter yet. Right. And so, yes, we are losing Bryce Duke to the portal. We already mentioned Daquan Wright last week. There are going to be more gentlemen that mm-hmm. hop in the portal from the Hokies. That's not going to be a surprise. I'm hoping it's none of the, the super key guys. We're hoping yep. for Felton to come back. We're hoping yes. for Ali Jennings to come back. But we did get an announcement yesterday. Of a very you told key, me about this. Yep. <laughs> very key player that's coming back. Robbie's guy, APR, 
Antoine Powell-Ryland is returning to the Hokies. He put out a video yesterday on X saying, like, oh, forever a Hokie or whatever, even though he played for the Gators. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll forgive that. He's coming. He had a great season with us, and he's coming back. And the way his video went down, I, I said to Rob, like, his reaction and the way he read it was like, a guy who just got a brand new contract. <laughs> like, that's what it seemed like. I love it. Virginia Tech's getting with the times of going, you know, money is driving so much here. This is a huge, huge pickup for Virginia Tech. Um, things, ultimately, I'm not going to, I things could change uh, even after this whole thing. So I'm going to assume that he sticks to his word and he's coming back, right? Mm-hmm. But if he does, now what you can do is, go to the portal and you have a stud defensive end and you can put a ton of resources into finding one other. If you can now go nab another really good defensive end with him on the other side, that could be a, a huge landslide slide grab for Virginia Tech. Or so even I'm, yeah. the tackle position. I mean, we yes. just, we need defensive tackles. The, yes. You'll see. So I have on the screen, the Virginia Tech portal offers as of today. And I got this from Colby Crawford on Twitter. Uh, he, he's been putting out this Excel thing. He's been updating it every every few hours, it seems like, for all yep. the offers Virginia Tech has out there. He's a 247 guy. Colby's been doing a really good job. And so I wanted to give him credit for this Excel sheet. But it's cool. You can see on this list, Rob, how yep. many offensive linemen are on our offer list already. And so yep. I said – when we were recording the other the other day that like the offensive line while it was not a great position for us we had like eight freshmen that yeah. were on the roster some of which were playing and having to play so mm-hmm. there was a chance that maybe we didn't attack the portal offensive lineman as hard as maybe we go after some other positions but based yeah. off of this list they want to get some offensive linemen in this program yes and i think what is you know what's really mind-blowing when you look at this is look at the prior school mm-hmm. look at that so you got you know UPenn, shorter yale utep these it is um this is the sea change that's happening in college football right here this is what you're seeing and this is why this year was so competitive and i think next year is going to be so competitive is the fluidity of good players making it onto rosters where they can contribute throughout the bottom all the way moving to the top of college football is insane. And that list right there of those prior, the schools that they're at is crazy. Like the, I had never heard of shorter. I had to look mm-hmm. it up. Pretty sure it's a D2 school. How about limestone? Is that yeah. Lime, limestone school. Like I yeah. don't know what that is. No disrespect to limestone or anyone that goes there. Never heard of it, but yeah, a lot of these schools, there's a couple guys from the Dakotas on here. Uh, <laughs> Indiana. Yeah. Is, yeah. is actually one of like the the bigger schools that's on this list. And that's Carter Smith, uh, a guy that has a visit scheduled for Virginia Tech and mm-hmm. a guy that a lot of our our fans want. I know like the guys from the boundary corner, uh, Brian, he was talking about this kid. Like he has three years of eligibility remaining, Carter Smith does. Yep. Like that that would be a key get for us, the uh, the offensive tackle from Indiana. But you see there's a center on this list from New Mexico. Mm-hmm. It, there's a lot of different guys. And then you see that in, inside linebacker, Sam Brunfeld from MTSU, who maybe yep. because his coach was leaving, he decided to leave, but yeah. he's going to try to upgrade where he gets to go to school. And for me, 
I this may sound crazy, but like I need a middle linebacker and a defensive tackle before I need any offensive line. That that's yeah. my personal because we are going to be. I think Phil Darius Payne said he's out. I think yep. I think he's gone, and so we need defensive tackles. We need them badly, yeah. and so yeah. I, I I want Joey Slackman. I want that U Penn guy in our program. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, we know where the offensive line is at, and we know why. We know why the board looks like this. Um, I am a little concerned that we're not seeing more on the defensive tackle um, side of things, or and maybe a couple more on the on the linebacker side. And that we might is, see them as soon as today starts. You know, correct. like yes. it, it could it could change a lot. There just might happen to be a lot of guys from offensive line that were able to be in the portal already. Because you'll mm-hmm. you'll notice a lot of them are one year left, meaning they're yep. they're grads, and so that's yep. that's why they're in there. And this it, it could also be offensive linemen are so hard to get in the portal, you mm-hmm. must cast a wide net. Like you need yeah. to just get your offers out there. I'm not saying they're just giving them out willy nilly, but like mm-hmm. you might be more willing to put one out there for an offensive lineman and take a flyer because you don't know if you can get your top one, two, three, four, five choices. Like you might yep. have to go to choice six. I think that's what happened to us this year. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's enough about the portal. There's going to be so much more and so many, I would expect surprises uh, coming out in the portal over the next couple of weeks. I mean, we've seen TVD from Miami's in there. Will Howard from Kansas state is in the portal. Uh, Mm -hmm. Cam Ward from Wazoo. He's back in the portal. He transferred into Wazoo. Now he's going to go get a payday somewhere else. And he's, he's a, a top quarterback listed right now. So It'd be interesting. Does like Ohio State go after a Cam Ward? Does does a yeah. does like a Hugh Freeze go after a Cam Ward? Like teams that could have good surrounding units but need yep. a quarterback. Yeah, it could be could be interesting. Um, or Bama. Does Bama yeah. like after this season? Do they just move on from Milrow because they don't believe in him? You know, like there's they brought yeah. in that kid from Notre Dame last year, which which mm-hmm. was like. A red alert, like they don't feel comfortable at QB. Yes, that was a sure sign. But yeah, you could see them make a move. Um, and um, and then I saw, you know, Ohio State's quarterback. Yeah, I think he just went is hit the portal. I think this morning. Um, so it's one of their backups be, or or no, their starting quarterback McCord. McCord, he no hit the way. portal. Yes. Oh my god, I did not see that. Uh, while you look that up, I'm just going to start talking about the bowl game. We're not going to go into too much detail on the bowl game, but Virginia Tech is playing Tulane in the Military Bowl Wednesday, December 27th at 2 p.m. You got something over there? Yeah, the Kyle McCord enters transfer portal. Oh, my gosh. that's. Yep. I mean, I know that they weren't, like, super high on him, but, yeah. like, think about the season they just had. They went 11-1. and <laughs> They lost only to the rival, who's extremely good and the number yep. one team in the country. And the quarterback bounces likely because they told him we're getting somebody else. Yes, exactly. Um, it's, it's it's wild times. That is that is crazy, man. Anyway, yep. Tulane, you're uh, are you happy with the matchup? Do you, do you like the military bowl for Virginia Tech? I like the military bowl. Yes, in in a season like this, I think um, where our expectations were very tempered. I cared more about having a good location, fans being able to travel, fans being able to get to the game. That's what was a priority for me in this season. There's other seasons where you and I have, we've had like a decent, you know, pretty good season where you and I are, you know, bitching for lack of a better phrase about like where we're going because we want to get into a good bowl. This wasn't one of those years for me. This was like, you know, 
things ended up better than we expected when we were in the middle of the season. So I cared more about the location. Yeah. And I, I am, I'm pretty excited. Like I know a lot of people wanted the Mayo bowl in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. A lot of Hokies live in Charlotte. It's a yep. fun town to go to a game in and you have been to we a have. bowl. And <laughs> yep. that's a story for another day. We've told it on the podcast before. It was a great day. It was a great day. <laughs> and, awesome. and Virginia Tech got the win, but a silly day. Yeah. Uh, but I am happy with the Annapolis thing. You don't get the, um, you don't get the bar scene and, and stuff before the military bowl. Cause Annapolis is downtown a small, there are some fun bars and I, yeah. I drank them and it's fun, yeah. but it's just not like the walking from downtown Charlotte and all uptown and everything. Yeah. It's uptown, not downtown there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I still think the tailgating is great. If we get a good weather day, Tailgating at, at that stadium in Annapolis is phenomenal. The stadium's a really fun stadium to watch a game. It's not very big. All the seats are good. And I don't know what's going to happen with Pratt. They're losing their coach. I don't know if Willie's going to coach the bowl game. I'm guessing he's not going to. Right. I could Because you when you get a big job like that, you got to go and start recruiting immediately. So yes. I, I assume that he's not coaching the bowl game. This all just happened. So. Mm -hmm. But I could see Pratt either opting out. Mm -hmm. I could see him. Because he's, I think he's off to the NFL potentially, or he uh, might. I think he might have another year or two if he wants it. But I think he might be going to the NFL. Yeah, I think he would probably punch out, especially yeah, with your coach leaving. Yeah, you're yeah. going to be out. Either that, yeah. or he follows Willie to to Houston if he has another year. That like, could happen. I think that's probably more likely than him staying. Yeah, I I don't know, but either way, it's going to be a tough matchup. Tulane yes. has been very good for the last two years, and something I did not remember about Tulane. They went, they went and they beat USC last year in the Cotton Bowl. Mm -hmm. I do remember that. That was very cool to see that G5 get a win over USC and the Heisman winner. But the year before, Tulane went 2-10. and 10. Oh, my gosh. 2-10. and 10. And then they went 12-2 and two the following year. That's and, and right. That, and, and they kept Willie. Like, Willie was there for six or seven years before that 2-10 and 10 year. Mm -hmm. And so that had to be like – okay, maybe they were super young or maybe something bad happened. I, I can't remember back to like if their quarterback got hurt or what, but to keep a coach after a two and 10 season when he's been there for several years is surprising, but it paid off for Tulane because they yep. got to go to a cotton bowl. They're bowl bound again with 11 wins. It's kind of crappy for them. They get 11 wins and they have to end up in the military bowl against, you know, kind of a mid ACC team and us, but yes. hey, that's what happens when you play in the AAC. So yeah, uh, I think and it worked out for game. Willie too. It worked out for Willie. It worked out yeah. for them. You know, every that that's one of those where you have a coach move on, but everybody is left in a much better spot than they they were before. It seems that way, and I I just feel like I was actually kind of not pining, but just if we were going to add a team in the AAC, ACC, mm -hmm. what feels like the AAC, <laughs> um, I was I was rooting to add Tulane. Like, yeah. would you rather have Tulane or would you rather have Cal? Like, oh, Tulane, you know, and and you could break it down by Olympic sports and Cal has this academically. What Tulane's a great academic university for one thing. For yep. for another thing, it's in New Orleans. New so, Orleans, it's a great you, location. You Travels get those easier. Road games, like it's a southern school, so mm -hmm. southern recruiting grounds. Like there are, I don't know. Like it, to yep. me, I feel I feel like Tulane because of what they've done the last few years, being good at the right time matters because yep. of getting that cotton bowl win. I feel like they warranted being in a, in a bigger conference, but I'd agree. That's not what happened. And now they're losing their coach and, and whatever, but 
this matchup will be interesting. We will get into it and break it down in full once we have more details about who's going to be in the game for us, who's going to be in the game for them in a couple weeks. But we will be bringing you a preview before Christmas on the bowl game. That That is what, what we will do. Rob and I did mention on our last show that we're not doing a two-deep episode this week. College Football Monday is our only episode for this week. Going to take a little bit of a break, but we will be back talking portal and talking the bowl game uh, in the next couple of weeks. Do you have any final thoughts before we close it out for today, Rob? No, no. I've cooled off a little bit. Yesterday I was pretty, pretty angry. Um, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm just disappointed, uh, quite frankly, in college football just generally. And this is very hard for me to defend college football to NFL fans and things like that. I, I, I have to, I'm, I'm just going to be like, yeah, I kind of agree. This is, this is a bit of a sham and that sucks is now, you know, you're impacting the ability for me to have the same confidence level that college football is on a tier of its own than uh, I had previously. Yeah. And I think most people over the age of 30, 35 kind of feel similarly that like, a lot of writers, a lot of people on X and, and just people I respect in the sport said like this, this feels like Mark Packer, like he mm-hmm. was like shocked by this. He he was really had some opinions out there, which he, and he could back them up with a bunch of different stuff. Like I love Mark does a good yep. job for the ACC network. And like, there was a panel of Riggs and EJ Manuel, uh, McLean and Eddie Royal. That, mm-hmm. that reacted to this. And of course, E.J. Manuel went to, to FSU. But that reaction, it it was ACC Network. So you're going to get what you get. But like, yeah. it was all fair. And it was yeah. all warranted. And Eddie had great things to say. And, and he, one of his points, Eddie Royal, was that like, he's like, I still go back and think about it. If we had won this game, we would have been undefeated. If we had won this game, we might have had a shot at the championship. And like, now these kids on FSU, like, they did everything. They won all the games and they mm-hmm. didn't get a shot. And so it's just, it's, it sucks for those, for that program and those kids. I know it's Florida state and we don't like Florida state, but like mm-hmm. we can see ourselves in those shoes. Oh, yeah. it, it, you know, if, if Michael Vick had gone down in 99, you know, maybe the voters would have left VT out of the, the top two and yeah. even the computer wouldn't have been enough to bring us up, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what computers would have been able to do in this situation is they wouldn't have dropped FSU because yeah. they can't factor in the quarterback. That's not what they do. Yep. And it, it might have helped us out. Uh, but anyway, we're, we've, we've gone on too long. We, we went through it all with Billy Ray Mitchell at the beginning of the episode. Go back, click the link, and you can watch the whole thing, uh, at least Billy's portion of the beginning when we were talking about the four and getting into it. A lot of, lot of arguments back and forth, and, and Bill had a lot of things to say. And he kind of he played the devil's advocate. For for yep. Bama getting in and, and Rob and I kind of went the other way, uh, and and Billy is he, he's a good bit younger than us, and I think mm-hmm. like the younger you are following this sport, I think the less problem you had with it. And I'm not trying to single Billy out at all. I just yeah. think like if you're not a Bama fan mm-hmm. and you're over the age of 35, you yeah. think this was a sham. Like that, that's yeah. I, think I think that's kind of, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, but anyway. I would I would agree. All right, bud. I will talk to you soon. Until next time when we're previewing the bowl game, go Hokies. Hokies.